Today, of course, is our Building Dedication Sunday. And so we want to take some time in our service this morning to present this place for the kingdom of God, for the purpose and plan of God to be established and be fulfilled. I want to share with you a bit from the Word of God to give a strong foundation of dedication, of why we're here and what we're doing here today. There is a a scripture that Paul mentioned, well, what he said is the scripture in Acts chapter 17. Let me just read this to you to begin. Acts 17, 24, it reads, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He does what? He does not dwell in temples made with hands. That might seem like an odd scripture to start off with. It seems like we're saying basically God's not coming. (laughs) He's not going to occupy this building. Well, uh, of course, I'll explain a little bit further. But let's understand from an overarching perspective that God is not just interested in brick and mortar. He's not just interested in, in, uh, in, in buildings, in, in, in walls. He's interested in something far more important. You know what that is? That's you. That's me. He's interested in people and, and a building can't contain him. We can't just, we can't contain the, the fullness of who God is in a place just because it's bigger than our old place. But there is something that God will do here and has already begun to do here that will serve eternity and will last forever. We do see throughout Scripture and even in present times that God will use physical things. His power and His presence will manifest in and through physical things at times, even though the essence of those is really not so important or not so impressive, okay? In Scripture, we can see that that God's power would be transmitted at times through cloth. Remember Acts 19, how handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from Paul's body to the to the sick and they were healed. How God would use a, a piece of cloth to, to, to get somebody healed. We see at different times in the Word that God used a rod. We see that He used mud. His power worked through the mud, through oil, through, uh, he used a stick. He used a lot of different natural things in this world. They were used for his glory. I know that even now that God will move in such a way in a person's home. Have you ever been in a home when you walked in and you could tell there was such a presence there, a a a, a lifting atmosphere. You could tell people there knew God. There was a presence of God. People had engaged in praise and thanksgiving. The word was spoken there, right? Just like on the contrary, if you walk into a place, walk into a home where there's a lot of strife and there's a lot of arguing, there's a lot of discord, there's a lot of, uh, maybe a lot of negative stuff coming out of the TV and, and all all that, that can create an atmosphere as well. One that is not so appetizing. One that's like, you know, for a believer, can make you have that sick to your stomach feeling. There's something not right about this place. 
How many think that if that can happen in a home, and it does, that can happen in any kind of building, how much more should that happen in a place like this, where God is magnified, the word is preached, people are saved, people are healed and set free. I mean, God has free reign. There ought to be a presence of God that occupies a building dedicated for his use. Amen. I want to begin and show you a handful of scriptures today that talk about the dedication of various things at different levels so we can see the order of importance they are to God and make sure our priorities are right in talking about our building and this place that we're meeting now. Okay, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're new with us today and don't have a Bible, we'll put these screens, these scriptures for you on the screens and uh, you can follow along there. Make sure we're not making anything up. All right. First of all, we should understand that God dwells in us. And I say us, every believer, every born again person. God dwells in us individually. He dwells in us individually. 1 Corinthians 3.9, it reads, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Say, well, God's not into buildings. I, I just don't know about this building stuff. All the focus on a building. You are God's building. He is into buildings. <laughs> He's into flesh buildings. He's into uh, his creation, his top and highest creation, people. That we are God's building. Now, if you look at the sixth chapter, chapter six, verse nineteen, six nineteen. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you? Whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So again, we can see that the scripture plainly and clearly says that God wants to take take up residence and has in every believer taken up residence, not just in a building and a certain street and a certain structure and yada, yada, yada. No, in a person, in you. You are God's home. You are the place that he resides. You are what is of primary importance when we talk about buildings. Say, well, I got a new building. You are the building. The building of God. The place where he dwells. And uh, we can see here from Scripture that this should be a truth that helps us to deal rightly with the building, with the house, or with the temple that God fills. It shows our responsibility that because God lives in us, we ought to do certain things with our body, with our spirit, because they belong to him. Right. It's kind of like if if you were having people over to your house, maybe had some relatives or some friends from out of state before they got to your house, you would probably mow the lawn, probably 
you know, clean the windows and the carpet and the floor and, and organize and get everything looking really good. I mean, wouldn't most people do that? Uh, uh, that's a nice thing to do. I mean, you're showing them honor. You're showing them respect. You're, you're wanting to put your best foot forward and give them a nice place to visit and stay as they're with you. Well, uh, how much more would it be true that if, if God is coming to stay, that we give him a nice place to stay? Right. I mean, in one sense, we, of course, we can do nothing. He's the one who makes us the righteousness of God in Christ. But at the at the same time, we are exhorted in the word that we should use our bodies in such a way that would bring glory to God. Right. I mean, there's just some places that that, you know, opposites don't fit in together. You know what I'm talking about? It's like me in a sushi house. That doesn't work. No, things should be cooked. When God comes to dwell in us, well, there are certain things he likes. There are certain things he doesn't like. There are certain things are appropriate for that kind of guest. And not just a guest, a, you know, permanent uh, liver inner. Uh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sometimes people ask the question... Should I do such and such? Is it okay? I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with God. Is it okay for me to go here, do this, say this? Well, is God glorified by it? That would be a, a good a good way to analyze it. It does it bring Him glory. Say, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this does. Well, then you might want to hold off because remember, we've got to be certain. We've got to be sure on the inside if it's ever gonna gonna be the right thing for us to do. And so God indwells us individually. A a, a New Testament word is sanctify or sanctification. It has to do with a person being set apart for God's purpose, for God's residence, for his plan in our lives. We are to all be sanctified by him. Okay, again, we are responsible to dedicate our own lives and everything we have to God. That is the personal, individual side of this, this subject of dedication. Okay? I can't do that for you. You can't do it for me. You're not personally dedicated just because you're in. We're all in close proximity today. We're all in the same place. It is a dedication of your heart, your body, your mind, your resources. All that has to do with your life. Only you can dedicate it to the plan and purpose of God. And it's a recommended thing to do. All right. Things that your life will take on a whole new significance when it's in his hand. The second thing, though, and some haven't recognized this. I want you to go to Ephesians 2. Uh, we'll come back to, to 1 Corinthians. But Ephesians chapter 2 is that God inhabits us corporately. Not only does his spirit indwell us on an individual, personal level, but he also inhabits or dwells in us and this is different this is not the same and this is these are not just words that mean nothing god inhabits groups of people he inhabits his body meaning all of us together in a way that he does not inhabit us and dwell in us as individuals okay look at this verse ephesians 2:19 now therefore you are no longer strangers And foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, you knew Jesus was part Indian, right? You got verses right there. Chief cornerstone. Okay. Verse 21. In whom the whole building, the whole what? Is he talking about this place? In whom the whole building being fit, fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Notice what the Lord is doing. He's into buildings. Yay. But what's most, what's most important? It is your personal relationship with God that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. But here's what also is very, very important to him. It, it is that people become fit and knitted and joined together. And when they are together, that it creates a building. It creates a spiritual structure that God himself will inhabit. This is pretty powerful. Do you mean to say that if I'm by myself, God doesn't inhabit me all by myself? Not in the same way. He does in a personal, individual way. But there is something different. Something more, something greater when people join together and they are placed by God in close proximity to where he can dwell among them, be their God, move by his spirit in a corporate fashion. Stuff happens in that place that does not happen when believers are islands unto themselves when they're all alone. It's true that I'm a Christian, whether you are or not. I mean, and same with you. The whole world could rebel against God and you could be the only one standing and you can have a relationship with God. That still exists. Nevertheless, it is a Bible truth that God does things in a very special and unique and powerful way when there is a uniting, a joining together of believers for a common purpose and goal, a part of his family. Remember, remember, Old Testament said one puts a thousand, but two puts ten thousand to flight. Right. There is a multiplication of effort and effectiveness and fruit and really even anointing and presence of God when believers come together. Yeah, I know I've experienced the Lord and do experience him regularly on a personal level. There's times I'm by myself in a room all by myself. I say by myself with the Lord. Uh, no other people in there. And if you come in, I don't want you to come in. Go away. I don't want to talk to anybody, any people. I, I'm with the Lord right now. This is a personal thing. If you don't have that, giddy up. I mean, I'd encourage you. Have that with the Lord. It's just you and Him. And you, you connect with Him. And no one else, there's no one, no one else can be in that relationship. Hmm? It's just like a relate my relationship with my wife. There's we relate to each other on certain levels in a in a committed relationship, and no one else can get in there. Now we relate to others on different levels. I have this relationship with God, and He moves and speaks to me and does powerful things in my life, and I'm so thankful. I'd never give it up, not for anything. But you know what? I've also found that He moves in my life in unique and special ways when I'm in here. Things he says at times and things he does, manifestations of him that I haven't seen on my own. It's like, what's up with that? Well, 
We are God's building. Yes, he's working something in me, but there is also, we are also being built right now together for, as a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Every time a new person is born again, they receive salvation. They're another block. They're another, that sounds bad, but not blockhead, but you know, they're another block or they're another living stone that God places in what he is building. All right. Look at first Corinthians three. First Corinthians, the third chapter. Notice over here in verse 16, 316. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Where does the spirit of God dwell in, in you? Now, say, didn't we already read that? Well, that was second Corinthians six. It uses similar language, but I don't believe it's specifically just a repeat of statements or of a certain truth, I believe he's talking not to an individual here, but to the whole church at Corinth and saying, don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God, he doesn't just dwell in you. He dwells in you. He dwells in all of us together. Here's the amplified version of that verse. It reads, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. All right. And so can we see this? This is a very important truth. We should all personally, by ourselves, no one else around, be dedicated to God and his presence that indwells us. But then also we should, every single one of us, be dedicated, be committed and be set apart for God's purposes in our midst as we are all jointly and corporately worshiping and serving him. Okay, everybody with me so far? Everybody good? Everybody good? Everybody okay? Kind of quiet out there? Shout at me every now and then. Say, yes, amen, that's good. Woohoo. If you don't, I'll do it to myself. <laughs> amen, that's good. Say it. Bring it. Burn that stump. Milk that cow. Come on. Lots of phrases can fit. All right. All right, here, here's, here's the next thing now. Ready? Uh, individually, corporately, but what about things? What about natural stuff that I mentioned kind of at the top of this? Anything can take on special significance if it's dedicated and used for God's kingdom. Anything. I'm not just talking about people. I'm literally talking about Natural, physical objects can be used for God's glory if they're dedicated to Him. We have many examples in the Bible, but I know sometimes people think, well, yeah, God can use a Bible. That would be a holy thing set apart for His purposes and, and His plan. Okay. Or, or God could use, well, He can use a pulpit because, you know, good preaching and teaching comes from a pulpit. That would be a vessel for God to use. Yeah, uh, or or maybe just an individual. Sometimes we we look at it and say, well, God will use certain people with a special calling, a special gift, and a special anointing. They are holy to the Lord. They are to be used by God, and no doubt God can use those things. But 
here's the thing. He can use a donkey too. He, he can use he can use a stick. Remember the axe head that floated in the uh, the guy dr- borrowed an axe and the axe head fell off in the water and he's like ah oh, junk that was borrowed. And uh, the man of God said, get a stick and put it in there. And the power of God went right through the stick and the axe head came up and floated on the top of the water. Well, I guess power goes through sticks. I guess God uses, <laughs> I guess God, God can use a, a stick. How many know he can use a talent? He can use an ability. He can really use anything that's in our possession, our control for his glory, for his eternal purpose. Obviously, we're not saying he's going to use sin, but anything that's, that, that, that is neutral. It's, it's almost like money. Um, how many know money? Some have said, well, money is the root of all evil. That filthy lucre, you know. Well, money's not evil of itself. The Bible doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and we should not be in love with it. But money can do a lot of good things, can't it? I mean, it can help feed people and clothe people and buy them a house and buy them a car and, and, uh, and, and a lot of things. It can, you know, more important than that, spread the gospel. It takes uh, gospels free, but there's, you know, the pipe is expensive <laughs> and, and, and it can be used for the furtherance of the gospel in, in, in our area, in Idaho or all around the world. It can also be used to buy drugs. It can also be used to spread pornography. It, it, it can be used for a lot of destructive and harmful purposes. So what is it? Well, when it's dedicated to the to good things, dedicated for the purposes of God, God uses it, doesn't He? And when and, and is is God using all the money? No, <laughs> some of it He's not touching, not using it at all because it's been dedicated to the wrong thing, to the wrong purposes. He's just not involved with it. All right, look with me over at Luke chapter five, Luke the fifth chapter. Over here, the Lord was getting ready to to preach and teach to a multitude says in verse one. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. How many know God just used a boat? He he took possession of what someone intended to simply be a collector of fish to provide an income. They had a fishing industry and they were fishing and that was the reason the boat was built. It was the reason that person bought the boat. It was the reason it was on the shore that day. It was for fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing, but Jesus upgraded its purpose right here. Didn't he? All of a sudden, the multitudes and the masses are being impacted. They're being taught the word of God. People are getting right with God. They're being healed. And a boat was a part of it. So I have a boat. Maybe God wants to use my boat. Maybe he does. (laughs) I think that we, we should take everything that's in our possession, everything that we have control of, and say, Lord, I've got this so I can ski. Or I got this so I can hit a little white ball around or, or whatever, whatever I have. I have this house so I can live. I have this car to go places, but everything it's yours. I'm going to use it to fish. I'm going to use it to, to do this or that. But if you can use this as well, it's available for your kingdom and your purposes. 
now all these natural things that there's nothing right or wrong per se about them, but they take on a higher purpose. Now God's blessing is on them. Now he can use it for eternal value and he can actually bless us and he'll compensate you multiplied back for dedicating what's in your hand for his purposes. Amen. What, what happened here? Well, if you read the next verse, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, that's whose boat he was using. Simon gave him the use of his boat. He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. You read the rest of the story. He got a lot of fish that day, didn't he? He dedicated his boat for the, for, for the preaching of the gospel, for the ministry of Jesus. And he ended up with a boatload of fish. Right? More than he could handle. And I believe that's the way the Lord wants to do us. Anything we commit and dedicate to his, uh, to his purposes is not just to an end that we gave it up and see you later. It's gone and everything's done and nothing significant happened. No, but people are reached. The gospel is spread. There is eternal significance. And then, then there's a temporary natural kickback that the Lord does in our lives. It's called give and you shall receive. Amen. And and, and so God will most definitely use natural things. What about this building we're talking about now? What about our grand opening, the dedication of this building? Could God use a building that was built for the purpose of spreading beer around? (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) I I doubt that it was the um, intention of those originally constructing the four walls uh, of this building, I doubt they were thinking, you know what, someday, right through here, people are going to get saved by the droves. People are going to get healed. You know, we've had close to 100 people saved over the last couple of weeks. I don't think that was their intention. (laughs) But now that we have it, Couldn't we take this building? Couldn't it take on a higher significance? Couldn't it take on an eternal purpose? How would it do that? I think by us saying, Lord, here you go. Here you go. We dedicate it to you. Have your way. Didn't, hasn't our country, looking back, had a significant advantage over many countries of the world because of our founders and how they dedicated this land to be a place where the Word of God could be preached freely and without without hindrance. Because of the dedication of our forefathers, our country has, has um, experienced a lot of God's blessing over many years. And uh, I know a lot of folks are getting away from it today in, 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 in leadership, and, and we're seeing the results of that. But we're still benefiting big time because it was dedicated to the Lord and His purposes. And there is something about us saying, okay, this is what I have, Lord. This is what we got. You gave it to us, but this is going to be for your value, for your purpose. This is going to be for whatever you want to do. Now, God has free reign, and now, watch things be multiplied. Praise God. Let's look at one more passage of Scripture in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter. Over here is when Solomon was dedicating the temple 
to, to the Lord. And this was something, this was massive. We think this building project took some work. <laughs> this was a massive deal and impressive. God put a lot into it, which shows you how much God wants to put into your life now being the temple of God. But in Second Chronicles chapter 7, begin reading here in verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Now, that's some pretty thick glory, right? I mean, it's so thick, you physically can't get in. I mean, the door's open, but I can't get in. Why? God is really thick. (laughs) His presence was so strong. And this is Old Covenant, by the way. Verse 3, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. And the priest attended to their services. The Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which King David had made to praise the Lord, saying, For his mercy endures forever. Whenever David offered praise by their ministry, the priests sounded trumpets opposite them while all Israel stood. As you can see, what they did for that dedication of the temple, apparently having an awesome structure, a facility that was designed and built over many, many years, cost Billions of dollars in our day. And this was an incredible facility. But apparently that wasn't enough. It seems the Lord is not overly impressed with things that man's hand makes. He's not overly impressed with the lights and the screens and and the HVAC and and the colors and the design. and, And no, no, no. Not overly impressed by that, because even with their amazing facility, God moved in when they dedicated it to Him. His glory filled that house when they said, this is for you. This is for your purpose. This is for you to be glorified and magnified and represented in the earth. Then that place became something really special. Really powerful. And I believe today, as we dedicate our facility, and obviously God's been using this place already for a little while now. As we dedicate it to Him, it carries some spiritual weight with God. It is a heart issue with us. It is a commitment of our lives individually. It is a commitment of our lives corporately. And it is a commitment to use what He has placed in our hands, what He has given us for His purposes and for His kingdom. Praise God. Stand up with me today. Now, today, I have, I have written a 
statement of dedication, of consecration for our lives, for us together, and for this place. And this is something I want all of us to do together. Everybody with me? Now, if you're just visiting with us the first time, we're so glad you're here. And you might think, I can't do this. I'm just checking this place out. I'm not really a part of this church. I understand that, and that's fine. You can just ride along. Maybe you'll want to make it, make this part your 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 church, and uh, we hope you do. And uh, and if that's in your heart right now, you can go ahead and participate and say these things with us as we dedicate this facility for the work of the Lord. Praise God. But what I want us to do is we'll put these words on the screen, and we're all going to read them out loud. We're going to be making this statement of faith and dedication and consecration to the Lord concerning our lives and concerning this place. Everybody ready? Say this out loud. Say it with me. We, the people of Life Church, do in the presence of the Lord and the local body of Christ present this building to God for His intended use. We, first and foremost, consecrate and commit our lives to the eternal plan and purpose of God. We will walk with and serve Him all of our days. We dedicate our time, abilities, and resources to the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. That many others would receive the gift of eternal life and also walk with Him. On this 23rd day of September 2012, we dedicate this facility to be used for the glory of God. Sinners will be saved. The sick will be healed. And the oppressed will be set free. Those who are in darkness will see the light and experience the joy and presence of God. This house will serve to be a place of hope for the hopeless where the truth of God's Word will be taught and proclaimed without shame. It will be a place of love and forgiveness, a place for restoration and recovery. Many will come into contact with the eternal, omnipresent God who gave His life for them. Today, we invite the manifest presence of God to fill this place and abide and remain until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. May His plan and purpose be served fully without delay as we set apart this building today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.